Stay. 
that he didn't have to let you live. Will you start thinking about the fact that you really are guilty? Will you start thinking about the fact that the stuff people said you did, some of it you really did do? Everybody ain't lying on you. But how many know because of the blood? I've been justified.
house of the Lord. That's enough right there to lose your mind in praise. down one whole step. Move in the lives of your people, God. Move in the lives of your people, God. Move in the lives of your people, God. We need you to move, move, move. Move in the lives of your people, God. Move in the lives of your people, God. Move in the lives of your, your people, God. We need you to move, move, move. Touch the minds of your people, God. I come against mental illness right now. Touch the minds of your people, God. I bind up bipolar disease in the name of Jesus. Touch the minds of your, your people, God. I need you to move, move, move. Heal the bodies of your people, God. Heal the bodies of your people, God. Hey. Heal the bodies of your people, God. We want you, we want you, we want you to move.
I still have joy. I'm going to my seat. I still have my joy. After everything I've been through, I still have my joy. I still have peace. I still have peace after everything, everything I've been through. I still have my peace. I still have faith. Come on, we living in a time where your faith is being tested. Show what you're working with. I still have faith after everything I've been through. I still have my faith. I still believe God. I don't know about you. I still, I still believe God. I've lost some loved ones. I still believe God. I've lost a lot of things. I still believe God. I've been through molestation and rape. I still believe God. I overcame drug addiction. I
today. stand right now listen we spent most of the pandemic sitting down watching church on screens and if you're in the house of God today in fact this is the first Easter that we've had in this building that looks like this and we ought to take advantage of the fact that you are in a sanctuary with brothers and sisters worshiping God on Easter I need somebody to be more excited about that than me do I have any excited folk over here? Let me, oh, I see, I see, I see some. What about this section? Let me, oh, 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 oh. Listen. Are you more excited than they are? How about y'all over here? Y'all, come on. Now everybody, let every, let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't tired, are you? Amen. Listen. If you're tired here, you, you might not want to go to heaven because that's all we're going to be doing. God gave us a pause, a reset, so that we could come back, I believe, to appreciate the fact that we are even in a country or in a world where we can praise him freely and worship him. Amen. And I know everybody, hey, we're not all, you know, healthy enough to stand or sit or whatever, but whatever you got, give God your best. Amen. Let's thank God for Sister Tasha Page. Put your hands together. Hey, come on, you can do better than that. Amen. Just what we needed. Just what we, if I know she was going to do all that, I would have just let, we just had, a, you know, singing this morning and I gave an invitation. Amen. Amen. But there is a word from the Lord. Y'all ready? Amen. Let's go to God first in prayer. Father, we are grateful and we're thankful for the privilege of being able to worship and praise your name. We don't ask you to come today because we got here and we realized that you were already here. And so now that you're here and we recognize the power and the influence of your Holy Spirit, 
we pray now that you would help us to let go and let God have your way right now Lord help us to hear with our ears what the spirit of the Lord says speak to our hearts in fact Lord anoint your preacher for the preach word penalize not these people for the lack of this person and we'll be careful to give your name the praise we love you and we thank you anoint us afresh Jesus in Jesus name we pray amen give our praise and worship magnification team some love God bless you guys amen I love you so much amen love you so much Let's go to the word of God. Christ is risen from the dead, y'all, in Resurrection Day. In Resurrection Church is a reminder that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can imagine and ask and think. Amen. According to the power that works in us. There's a word from the Lord. There's a resurrection story found in the gospel of St. John chapter 20. Amen. If you can find that in your scriptures or you can read it on the screen if you're streaming this service. John 20 from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And I want to tag this text with this topic. It's still empty. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Guess what? I heard that the tomb is still empty. And the word of God says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran, she ran out and found Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. The word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. You may be seated. It's still empty. When we think about Easter, we think of things being full. Churches being full of people, tables full of food, choir stands full of singers, aisles full of ushers, classrooms full of children, baskets full of treats, brunches full of customers, mouths full of praise, moments full of festivity. Easter typically is a day of being full. Typically, that's what Easter is. But these are not typical times because from early 2020 until just recently, Easter came with things that are empty. During the peak of COVID-19, all of us had to deal with emptiness, empty sanctuaries, schools and grocery store shelves, empty cubicles, movie theaters and amusement parks, empty limos, taxis and Ubers. Empty stadiums and streets, even on New Year's Eve in New Year's Times Square. Empty seats at dinner tables, empty rooms where relatives once reclined, empty accounts as people waited for slow stimulus and unemployment checks, empty plates as people battled food insecurity and waited in food distribution lines, 
empty hearts as families and friends were buried without mourners or the predictable prayers and presence of clergy and community. We typically think of Easter as full, full of the good and not grief, full of festivity and not funerals, full of health and not hurt, full of hope and not harm, full of laughter and not lament. But the pandemic exacted a substantial levy on us. Isolation, separation, aggravation, decimation, close to a million deaths in the U.S. alone. We typically think of Easter as a day of being full, but Easter is also a day of empty. Understand, y'all, until last year, and we never even dreamed possibly in our lifetime that we would be preaching and teaching in empty sanctuaries. Empty churches, but now, because of God's grace, I'm able to declare and decree that I no longer preach in an empty room, but I'm still preaching about an empty tomb. An empty room affects us temporarily, but an empty tomb affects us permanently. An empty room fills us with anxiety, but an empty tomb fills us with assurance. An empty room may fill us with longing, but an empty tomb points us to life. Tomb, the tomb, ladies and gentlemen, the tomb was empty. That was the incredible discovery of Mary and her compatriots on that first Easter morning. Empty was the tomb because of its death-resilient resident had been raised by the power of Almighty God. The broken body of Jesus was placed in the tomb after the brutality of his crucifixion had exacted its toll. Upon appeal, Joseph of Arimathea was granted a reprieve from Pilate to take possession of the remains of the humiliated hero, and he interned his body in a brand new stone-hewn garden tomb that he had purchased for himself not far from Golgotha's hill, a cadre of soldiers had been dispatched to stand guard at the tomb on the request of the Jewish aristocracy who feared that his disciples might attempt to steal his remains. In the tradition of that time, a huge imposing stone was rolled into the opening of the tomb, sealed with wax, stamped with the imprimatur of the empire, and there's no denying the fact that Jesus was dead. The story should have been over right there, but that's not how the story ends. The onset of the Sabbath had prevented his proper embalmment, so the women who followed him assembled as they always do in love and loyalty, duty and determination with spices, ointments, heavy hearts and tear-filled eyes to embalm his body and complete what the Sabbath had prevented. They moved with certain uncertainty, not knowing how they would roll away the stone or negotiate the presence of the adversarial law enforcement, but yet they went anyway. They felt the ground sway and heard a rumble-like thunder but just before arriving at the tomb, but once they got there, they were shocked, started 
startled to find that they were soldiers disarmed and disassembled and the tomb open and the body of Jesus gone. Fearing the worst, Mary frantically summoned the others and shared with them her summary of the situation. And she says these words, they have taken away. was empty oh I think I need to add some more to that because y'all still looking at me here it is if the cross is a symbol of weakness when the tomb that empty tomb must be a symbol of strength because the empty tomb proclaimed now and forever that Christ who is our contemporary was and is alive and victorious even over death I wish I could say it a lot better than I feel it. Listen, uh, Easter then is, is a day, hear me well, of fullness. I wish I could say it like I feel it. It's a day of fullness and emptiness. And here's the shout, y'all ready? That either way, full or empty, God is in charge. God is on the throne. And God still has all power in his hands. Can I just work it from there real quickly? God is in charge and that empty tomb changed how we see death and how we are to live life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the keystone of human history. Timothy Keller wrote in his book, The Reason for God, that if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like him or his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Christ emptied death that he might feel life. Because if Christ is not risen, our faith is in vain and our hope is an illusion. Mohammed, Buddha, Zoroaster are all still in their tombs. But our proclamation, our declaration is distinctively different. Our testimony is that our leader, Jesus Christ, who is sinless in his steps, silent in his sufferings and savior of our souls. He did die. He was buried. But on the third day, he was raised back to life by the power of God with all power in his hands. And we believe that his victory is our victory over every challenge. It doesn't matter whether it's domestic violence, whether it's economic injustice, gender bias, global pandemic, legal complications, personal problems, racial prejudice, relational uh, difficulty, social hostility, vocational vicissitudes. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. The tomb is still empty, and that fills us, y'all, with hope, power, and possibility of potentiality. So on this Easter, I want to ask you a question real quick. Y'all are quiet. I know you've already had a little church, but I want you to uh, ask this question. Can I help you to ponder this question real quick? I know you can't wait for your Easter brunch and your favorite show tonight and uh, get your hands wrapped around your favorite brand of nature's nectar, but listen, before we go... 
Can I ask you a quick question? You're here, and don't try to rush out. I, we ain't giving an offering right now. In fact, we do it differently so you can hang on for just a while. I need to get this question out real quickly. Can I ask it? Can I, anybody, can, can, do I have, I, I don't need your permission. I'm going to ask it anyway. Close the doors. Don't let nobody out. Here's the question I want to, what difference does an empty tomb make? I know we're here for Easter, but a lot of people still think it's about bunnies and baskets and bonnets and all of that. But I, what difference does it make? Can I suggest one, at least four things, actually? First of all, it suggests to me the empty tomb, here it is, the empty tomb transforms grief into joy. Say it with me, grief into joy. Let me show you, because as we step into the scripture, uh, the episode emerges uh, uh, and we're introduced to, to, to Mary Magdalene. She's the first one at the tomb and she's broken by grief. Her Jesus is gone. Presumably somebody has desecrated his grave. So we find her in this text outside of the tomb, immersed in tears and overcome by grief. Can I talk about it just for a minute? Because grief, y'all, is a natural response. Grief is a very human emotion. Each of us can recount the losses of loved ones, the anniversaries, the birthdays, and special occasions since they've passed. Grief is no stranger to us. We do grieve and we should grieve because grief is a normal, natural response to loss. And that's precisely why John's gospel speaks so powerfully to us because John, among all the other other writers of the New Testament was the only one in his writing to record the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The miracle was unprecedented, but it was not without tears. John 11 and 35 reports succinctly that Jesus wept. If there's no other verse that you've ever learned, if you've been in church, for, you know that verse, Jesus wept. Even though Jesus knew how the outcome would be and how the episode would end even though he understood how it would eventually turn out the scripture says it didn't change the fact that grief was here's to bear let me say it plainly to somebody because y'all looking at me but let me just say it like this the Lord in his weeping shows us that he knows exactly how we feel Ah, y'all, that's an uh, audacious claim. The writer of Hebrews later declares, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, the Lord knows when you hurt. The Lord knows where you hurt. The Lord knows how you hurt and why you hurt. The Lord knows and the Lord cares. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus just as Mary now weeps at his tomb, but the out Outcome was completely different. The risen Christ transforms Mary's mourning into music and her grief into gladness at the empty tomb. Because here it is, death cannot contain him and the grave cannot hold him.
Her hope was renewed because her hope was yet alive. The only balm, hear me well, my friends, for the pain of grief and sorrow is the hope of someday. And listen to the words of Jesus as he speaks in John 16 and 20. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Y'all missed it. Went right over your head. Let me break it down. Strength can be found in these words of Jesus. And here is the main part of that text. I will see you again. For those who are grappling with grief, there's no greater promise. I will see you Again, it reminds us that death is not a period at the end of a long sentence of life, but because of the risen Christ, death is nothing more than a punctuation mark that elevates it to a more lofty significance. I will see you again. Y'all, listen, that is our eschatological hope. This is what transforms our graveyard grief into morning joy. Y'all making me preach it hard, ain't you? I will see you again. That means death has lost its sting. I will see you again. The grave has yielded its victory. I will see you again. This tempers our sorrow and shatters our despair. The resurrection of Christ is the capstone of the gospel. It's really what makes Good Friday good. It declares that our faith stretches beyond the mere finite boundaries of mortality. It's higher than Plato's philosophy, greater than Aristotelian argument, and more intriguing than a Socratic syllogism. It does not speak to time, but it resounds in eternity. And we are bold enough to sing about it. We are bold enough to stand and assert today that not only was Christ raised from the dead here it is y'all ready to shout better buckle your seats but one day when we die the grave will not be the end of our story no wonder you got to preach 20 minutes because everybody's okay listen Jesus took the that power from the grave in Jerusalem and gives it freely now to everybody and everywhere who will place their faith in him it's the formidable hope that Paul shared with the believers in Thessalonica when he wrote but I would not have you be ignorant brethren concerning those who are asleep that you sorrow not even as others have no hope for if we believe that Christ died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him y'all gonna have to rewind the tape or either go on Facebook and see it again all he was saying is the tomb is empty and because the tomb is empty it transforms our grief into joy but I got one more because it also transforms guilt with grace it transforms our guilt into grace okay y'all church folk so you look real holy but to those who don't mind confessing that you are guilty of something here's your shout the empty tomb transforms your guilt into grace Matthew 26, the last image we have of Peter prior to the death of Jesus ain't a pretty one. 
The crowds were pressing in, questioning him about his involvement with Jesus. Servant girl accused him of having a Galilean accent. She said he just lying. And then after she said all that, Peter had already denied twice. But the third time, he decided to exercise his considerable gift of profanity. Break it down, pastor. He started cussing like a sailor. I'm sorry. He started cussing like a Baptist church member. Y'all keep looking straight. Somebody said, I'm, I'm Pentecostal. I'm, I'm Church of God in Christ. I just came here today to... Jesus saw him while he was denying him and Peter was overwhelmed by guilt and grief. All the guilty people need to look straight ahead right now. I need you to come here quickly because guilt and grief can paralyze you and prevent your progress. Peter pitifully denied Jesus and then he had to grapple with that bitter guilt, the bitter guilt of that decision. And, and here's the question I need to ask you. What in your past causes you bitterness? What guilt are you carrying right now? Oh, you didn't come to church for this kind of sermon. You just came here for one of them happy he got up and he rose. But I got to tell you this, first of all, because in this episode, Jesus stepped into Peter's triple denial and gave him the opportunity for triple affirmation. Because John 21 and 15, three times Peter asks, do you love me? And three times Peter responded affirmatively. Curiously, though, Jesus said to him in parting, if you love me, follow me. Okay, you, you don't read your Bible that much. So that's why I'm here. I'm going to break it down for you. But you, knew, you do need to read it. Do you love me? Follow me. But the tense of the verb, let me go evangelism on you. The, the tense of the verb uh, is informative here. It denotes continuing action. It's provided as a participle, which literally translates continue following me. I hope you get this. Are you getting this? In other words, in other words, uh, for those of us who have been following Christ, but for some reason now you're not as committed. The pandemic messed you up. You ain't been in church in a long time and you didn't got comfortable now. And so it's okay for you to show up every now and then because you've been watching church on the screens anyway. And so you don't feel as, as you don't feel the tug that you used to. You don't feel as committed and you're not as fiery. You're not as involved as you used to be. But hear the word of God. God speak to you today my brothers and sisters and he's saying to all of us in fact he, he spoke to me on the ride over here and say Brown make sure you tell him continue following me even though they hurt your feelings even though sometimes you're misunderstood even though they bad mouth you and even though they disappointed you and even though they might be filled with a whole lot of hypocrites he's saying don't you let that stop you continue following me don't you ever give up on following him because people let you down and, and we can identify today with Peter because despite how strong we may appear or may have been we all struggle with sin in our lives can we can, can, can we be honest on Easter see we got masks now so I can't tell who's you know I can't tell what your expression is no more but, but, but can we be honest some of you are in the position you're in right now because of your struggle with sin you, you, <laughs> I thought we were going to be honest 
you, you, you thought you were over it and, and done with it and, and out of it, but then you discover that it was stronger than you imagined. Who am I preaching to today? Lee, Lee Tolstoy tells a story about two old men conversing, and one of them was struggling with breaking his habit of, of dipping snuff. I thought this was the congregation that knew that. Okay. Still, you sit next to my stuff. Mama, what's that? <laughs> one said to the other, why are you still messing with that stuff? And he said, he replied, I don't know. I guess it's just too strong. My brothers and sisters, hear me today. We don't need Tolstoy uh, to tell that story. I, I can preach about my own life. And, and, and you, I, I can preach about your life. Ha, haven't you ever, I need some honest Christians, have you ever uh, had something uh, uh, th or thought you were over something only to discover like Chris Rock in the movie New Jack City, it kept calling you? Sit up straight, sit up straight, sit up straight. Because the longer you've been alive, and here's why old folks, or older folks should shout. Because the longer that you've been alive, the louder you can shout. Because some of the stuff that got a hold of you, you hollered out and you can testify. You said, Lord, if you get me out of this, in fact, if you don't get me out of this, I'm dead and I'm done. And you can look back now. That's why you're going to make some noise when I say this. You can look now on it and you don't know quite how you got here. But some way, somehow, what looked like would get you lost its grip on you and as you look over your shoulder you got to wonder how did I get there from there to here that no wonder the songwriter said how I got over my soul looks back and wonder how I got can I answer the question it's a word with five letters grace grace got you over God's riches at Christ's expense this is the nature of our salvation it exists in all three tenses I got to go evangelism on them real quick because what grace says is we can say I have been saved that's right we can say I am being saved and that's right we can say that I will be saved and that's right I have been saved from the penalty of sin I am being saved from the power of sin and I shall be be saved from the presence of sin. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Is there anybody here who can testify? I ain't how or what I want to be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. I need some I need, some, I need some saints who know that you ain't nothing but a sinner who fell down and got back up to stand on your feet and say preach pastor because the empty tomb is a reminder of a bill that's already paid. The empty tomb is like a canceled check that Jesus paid it all. Somebody ought to say thank you. Empty tomb. It transforms grief into joy. It transforms guilt. 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 Stop letting the devil remind you of what you've done. And start reminding him of where he's going to go. In fact, every now and then you ought to just tell him where to go. Ah, y'all too holy for me. Okay. It transforms grief into joy. It transforms guilt into grace. But it also transforms fear into peace. 
It's in the text, verse 19, grab a hold of it. After his death, the disciples went underground. They became secret agents. They locked themselves in a the room. They, they, they were terrified of their, listen, they, they began to live life on the DL. On the low, low. They didn't understand what had happened, why it happened. All they knew that Jesus was killed and the same fate was likely awaiting them. And the most incredible thing in human history, y'all, had happened and transpired. They got a chance to witness all of this, but yet their fear wouldn't allow them to see it for what it was. Here's what fear does. Fear paralyzes. Fear blinds. And so my question is, what fear is paralyzing and blinding you today? I don't care what it is. Let this word speak to you. Let it speak to your heart. Let it penetrate you and hear it. Hear it. Here it is. We serve a risen Savior. And this risen Savior said to them, and he's saying to you right now, peace be with you. They were in the room. He comes up, Jesus, a risen Savior. He was dead. He was killed. But when he walks in, he says, Peace be with you. Pastor, explain it. Okay, I'll do that. Because listen, it's in the text. It's right there. Jesus has gone ahead of them and is waiting for them. The tomb was empty. Jesus was gone. He was ahead of them. Jesus has gone ahead of us and he's waiting for us. The angels reminded them on resurrection morning that Jesus has gone ahead. Where is he? In Galilee. Galilee, yes, Galilee, where most of the healings have taken place. Galilee, where the thousands were fed with just a little few morsels. Galilee, where walking on water became possible. Jesus had gone to Galilee, where new possibilities happening for most people every day and where new potentiality waited both for them and us. He's not in the graveyard of yesterday, y'all, because he's already gone there to a city of new possibilities. Can I preach to you real quickly? Christ is waiting, friends, ahead of us, not behind us, in the future, not in the past, in what can be and not what has been. The resurrection remind us that it is the purpose of God not to just take you where you've always been, give you what you've already had, and show you what you already know, but to take you where you never imagined, give you what you never conceived, and show you what you've not yet seen. So he speaks that word to them and he speaks to us peace be with you pastor how can I get it I'm gonna tell you real quickly all you got to do is meet him at the point of faith meet him at the point of hope meet him at the point of love meet him at the point of promise meet him at the point of trust meeting him sounds easy but often it's not because to go to Galilee meant leaving the cone of safety that they had constructed and risking identification and quite perhaps incarceration it also meant for them releasing their grief and their despair and hopelessness fear releasing their memories 
boundaries of what had been so they can embrace what could be. How often in life, my brothers and sisters, do we find ourselves stuck in situations where we feel helpless and hopeless to change, where the difficulty defines us, the circumstance controls us, and the trouble confines us? But hear me well today, it isn't until we get past all of those thoughts that we can realize the gifts that were already embedded in the tragedies of life. And here it is. Can I bless you real quick? There, that, that pain can point to possibility that the end is also a new beginning. The season of loss does not mean a season of end. And the end of a chapter is just the, really the beginning of your story. Trouble can drive you to triumph. Struggle can make you stronger. Why? Because Christ is risen. Uh, I promise you this sermon won't be so long if y'all come go with me. Christ is risen. And because he's risen, it means old rules, patterns, and ways have been rearranged into new possibilities that we can barely imagine. All we got to do is meet him in the future and put our hope in him. I'm, I'm, I'm through. I'm through. I'm finished. The, the empty tomb, it transforms grief into joy. It transforms guilt into grace, fear into peace. But I, I can't let you go before I say this. It transforms doubt into faith. Read the story. Verse 24. The story of Thomas unfolds. We call him Doubting Thomas. And I always felt that that's really a bad rap. Suppose somebody called you by what you did yesterday. Stop, stop. Just look, look straight. Suppose somebody defined you by your mistake. Doubting Thomas. Because of one momentary lapse of demanding proof of Jesus' resurrection, we remember him for his worst moment. And none of us would like our lives to be remembered like that. But notice what happens when Jesus shows up. He doesn't focus on his works, but called him to live out his best. When they were finally face to face, the risen Christ did not say, come here, doubting Thomas. But he just simply said, touch me. Thomas, I need you to touch it, it, it's as if though he was saying to Thomas, if proof is what you need, then proof is what I'll provide. Touch me. That's good news for somebody listening to me today. You just missed it because the Lord is saying to all of us that through it, uh, he's saying to you and me, if you need something in order to grow your faith, I'm willing to show you something. I'll show you what answered prayer looks like. I, I, I'll show you what healed body looks like. I, I'll show you what restoration looks like. I'll show you what a restored marriage is. I'll show you a, a strong family. I, I, I'll show you a revived hope. 
a renewed mind, a bright future. I'll show you joy and sorrow. I'll show you hope for tomorrow. If you need to see something, the risen Christ says, I'm more than willing to show you something because the gospel is not a promise that the ground won't move or that the wind won't blow or that the rain won't fall. The gospel is a promise that when the wind stops blowing and when the ground stops moving and when the rain stops falling and, and when the thunder stops rolling, you will still be standing. Somebody ought to testify. I'm in church right now. He's telling the truth. That You just missed your cue to shout. Somebody ought to say, because when I look around and see other people, some folk did the same stuff I did and did not recover. In fact, I know some people sleeping under a bridge. They had, listen, but I, even though they had the same dark nights and the same difficult moments, they, they, they wanted to bury themselves in Jack Daniels and Hennessy. But look at me. I'm here on a, in the midst of a pandemic on Easter Sunday morning. You ought to look at somebody and say, you don't even know my story. The fact that what had me didn't kill me, you ought to shout right now because in the storm you're still standing. Can I get some honest people who will testify and say, I've been there. Ah, Okay, okay, I'm just about through. I said that last time, but I mean it this time. Here it is. I got to get this because there's something beautifully understated in this story Jesus invites Thomas to touch him but did you ever read where Thomas actually touched him he never touched him but it does say he says to Jesus my Lord and my God he invited him to touch him and he didn't touch him which says to me the invitation was enough That everybody, Thomas, doubts sometimes. Don't let church folk fool you. They ain't always, they wasn't born with a hallelujah in their lips. I need some folk who who need to minister to the Easter folk who showed up here today to let them know that you ain't as holy. Listen, everybody doubts sometimes, but listen, it's not about having doubt. It's what you do with your doubts that define you. If you keep your doubts to yourself, they'll lead to problems. But if you declare your doubts to the Lord, Thomas told me to tell you, yes, he did. He was in the truck. He rolled with us over here. He said, Ray, make sure you tell him that if you give your doubts to the Lord, your doubts will lead to praise. Come here, somebody, because Jesus can handle your doubts he doesn't kick Thomas out he doesn't berate Thomas but he gives him the opportunity to step beyond his doubts by providing proof that he needed to believe and I don't know how you feel what you think or what you've been through but I'm a witness that God will give you what you need to believe that's the message of Easter I'm through that's the message of the empty tomb that Jesus ain't where you think he is He does not live in these beautiful sanctuaries. We found that out, didn't we? No matter how beautiful the sanctuary is, he doesn't live here. He's not stuck in the tomb, no matter how graciously adorned it might be. But Jesus is alive and loose in the world. Why was the tomb emptied in, Pastor? Why had the stone been moved? It wasn't moved so Jesus could get out. It was moved so that we could get in and see that the previous chapter had just ended 
but a new story has begun. Oh, that's the glorious monotony of Christian preaching. If you've been preaching for five minutes, I know you know the, that, that monotony that we got to preach. Some of the church folk are tired of hearing it year after year, Easter after Easter, sermon after sermon. My wife just told me yesterday, well, you going to do that sermon again on Easter? Yep. I'm going to talk about it one more time, that he was crucified, that he died, and that he got up on the third day. But folk don't seem to be that excited about that no more. Take me back to when I was to the church I grew up in. My daddy, when he would get to that point in the sermon, would every now and then grab his head CD and say, he rose. And when he said he rose, people would say he rose. And then when he said early, the folk would shout early. He leaned back even more, Jack, and say bright early. And the church would say early. And then they couldn't wait till he said he got all power in his hands. And that's when they broke loose and began to shout and rejoice. As a boy, I didn't understand what they were shouting about. And some of y'all looking at the folk who are shouting right now, but can I tell you right now, uh, if you live long enough, if you go through enough hardship, and if you endure enough pain and encounter enough betrayal and go through some uncertainty, you can see yeah, when you've had bad news circling your block and you get some good news that'll make you stand up when the preacher says he got up early Sunday morning in there when he would say that he'd say it again early Sunday morning and he rose with all power in his hands I'm through preaching y'all but can I tell you one more time the tomb is still empty but here's the good news. It's still empty because death couldn't keep him. The grave couldn't hold him. And I found out that if you put your trust in Jesus, he can do for you what nobody else can. Am I right about it? He'll cleanse your soul. He'll cleanse your conscience. He'll save your soul. Give you a new appetite. Change your walk. Change your talk, put your feet on solid ground. He will put food on your table, roof over your head, hope in your heart, a song on your lips, joy in your soul. Won't he do it? I said, Won't he do it? Yes, he will. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time that I need him, he's always near. He lives. Yes, he lives. Am I right about it? He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me alone. Life's narrow way. Ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. I'm through y'all. 
But is there anybody here that love my Jesus? I thought I'd get more response to that. Maybe you didn't hear me. I'll say it one more. Is there anybody here that love my Jesus? Do you love him? Yes. Has he made a way for you? Say yes. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he, ain't he, ain't he? Ain't he, ain't he, ain't he? Yeah, yes. Ain't the Lord all right? Say yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Come on, give God some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This whole sermon, stand on your feet for just one moment. This whole sermon, this whole sermon. This entire message was an invitation to you. It's dedicated to you, the person who has not confessed Christ as your Savior. This sermon was for you, the person who is unchurched. You came here today, you showed up at resurrection. Maybe you've been here before. Maybe you were a member here and you left. And since we don't keep good records, you're still a member on the record, on the road. That's why you keep getting all that mail and stuff. I don't go here no more. They made me mad. You thought you'd take a chance and come. You snuck in, you had a mask on. So they wouldn't remember who you was. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something real quickly? This, this ain't even. This. When you go in the grocery store and you see me or my wife or deacons or whatever, don't tell them you wasn't at church Sunday. We didn't even know. Why you ain't been at church? I ain't been. I, it, <laughs> that's between you and God. Don't you be embarrassed about that. <laughs> First of all, don't be embarrassed about that. Whatever your reason was, it, it's not really none of our business. The fact that you're here today, now you've made it mine. Because God called me to stand here and to convince you that where you are, God wants you to be someplace else in your life. He, he wants to use you in ways that you've never, that you never even dreamed of. He wants to do something special with you. And it begins with you being involved and connected to the body of Christ. And so that's my invitation. I'm going to let someone come behind me and do it more. But there's two things I want you to know. And they're going to say it again in this invitation. And the first thing is, I want to be your pastor. And the second one is, this resurrection family wants to be your church. Resurrection, come on and just welcome somebody prematurely right now. Who's about to connect with this church. Come on, Josh, is that you? Come on, Joe. If you don't know the Lord, she's about to show, share with you how you can know the Lord as your personal Savior right now. Right now. I'm trying to make it easy for you. I'm, I'm, I'm making it easy for you. You can come and you can connect with Christ right now. And then you can connect with his church and understand this. Here's why you want to connect with his church. Because everybody in this church is just like you. Toe up from the floor up. They ask me, they ask me, they ask me today when they pick me up and say, Pastor, this Easter, where's your tie and where's your shoes? I, 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 I didn't say it, but I felt it. I wanted to say, I'm old now. 
I've been doing this thing too long and, and I, I used to love to get dressed up, but now I'm just more comfortable with tennis shoes. And you couldn't have told me I'd be preaching with tennis shoes on Easter. It's not how you look on the outside. It's what's going on in your heart. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. Man may see all that. And here's another thing. I felt that if I could just dress this way, I could be more real with you. That I'm not trying to come to you with no kind of pretense or nothing like that. I'm just as I am. And that's how God wants you to come to him. Just as you are. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just as you are. It's just as you are. Thank you, Pastor Brown. Y'all, thank God for our pastor. Thank God for the sermon that has been preached today. And whenever the word of God goes forward, it demands a response. Pastor's already told you that this, this resurrection is just a reminder of a new opportunity, new beginnings. Somebody in this house today, somebody watching online today, you need to have Christ in your life. We've already been praying for you. We started praying for you long before this day. We prayed that you would make the right decision. And today is the perfect time to accept Christ as your Savior. A, admit that you need God in your life and without him you are a sinner. B, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And see, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what little Miss London did. And if you do that, we need you. Yes, that's what she did. She showed us how that looked. You do that. You want to do that. We want you to text 830. 689-8074 whether you're in the house or online that's we want you to text join I want to join just text join and sometimes we get people who come and you're already saved but you're looking for a family you're looking for a pastor you're looking for a place to grow we want you to text join 830-689-8074 and we will have someone to help you understand what it means to be in the body of Christ and what it means to be a member of resurrection we want you and we just believe I just believe in my heart somebody is texting right now praise God for that person that's texting right now we have worshipped and prayed we have worshiped in the preach word, and now we're going to worship with our presence, with our giving. And God loves a cheerful giver, does not. We can't be God-given. Your continued uh, commitment is helping us to do the kingdom work. We are getting the gospel out. We are training disciples. We're meeting the needs of people who are in the church, in the community, and around the world. And so if you give today, you can do that electronically through PushPay. You're going to text RBC1 to 77977 and follow the instructions. 
You can give on your way out the sanctuary today. You can bring it by the church during the week. We will receive your offering and you will be blessed. Join us this week on Wednesday as we resume our word on Wednesday. We have the fruit of the spirit. Don't forget to join us. And then, of course, you're going to come back next week. Pastor? <laughs> you're going to come back next week. Uh, and this is, um, I don't have anything else to say. I Listen, here's what I got to say. Look at your neighbor. Look at the person next to you. And say, now you see that seat you're sitting in? It's going to be reserved for you next Sunday. If you come a little bit earlier. Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I say this and I mean this. Come on back. Let's fill the house of God again. All across America, these houses of worship are still empty. And I need you, listen, just your presence today. We celebrate, come on, let, we celebrate your presence today. Because when people see you here, it inspires them to come. We're going to go back to eventually three services. People say, Pastor, we're going to go back to regular time. We're going to go back to the regular times when we get the regular, amen, green light. Amen. And we're going to do that. We've got so many exciting things to do. We're going to talk about Vision 2020 with you all. Uh, we have come to the conclusion of, those, of our goal. Amen. Some of you have completed your pledge. Come on, let's give God some praise for that. Amen. And so now you're trying to figure out what do I do with this extra money that I got. Uh-huh. We've completed that. But listen, more than that, we want to tell you what God is going to do with us through that vision 2020. We began that in 2020. Didn't know there was going to be a pandemic that same year. We, and um, uh, things changed, but they have not changed. We've got some exciting news to share with you how God is going to take us and rearrange us. I want you to get used to seeing this facility the way it is now. Because we're going to, just like The Rock, totally transform this into a new space and place that you've never recognized from the inside out top and bottom because of your faithful contributions let's give God some praise for that amen thank you for worshiping with us today and for not being afraid to not social distance amen we didn't even do none of that but that's okay because we're getting back to a place where we can start hugging pretty soon again. Right now, don't we ain't doing that right now. Amen. I know you want to hug me and you see some people slip it in every now and then, but mm-hmm. Well, leave it just like that. Amen. May the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth now and forevermore. Let everybody say amen. Follow the lead of our usher. Don't move yet. Don't move yet. Don't move yet. These ushers are going to show you how we're going to exit our building. God bless you. Thank you. Happy Easter.